Uh, hello, everybody. It's lovely to see you. Um, uh, I was thinking the other week, if Jesus was here this morning, he would wa probably want to tell you a parable. You know what he's like. He talks about goats and sheep and stuff. Um, but we don't do goats and sheep in church, do we? Um, and he looks at you and he doesn't think, sheep and goats? Nah. Um, so what happens is that Jesus has been following you all week. It's a bit like the camera in the corner. He's been watching. He's been listening. He's been feeling what you've been doing. And that's a bit scary, isn't it? And so this morning, he comes to church and he says, I'm going to tell you a parable about this last week. And that's even more scary. It, it's like he's putting it up on the big screen and saying just what you've done or not done. Um, so today, I would like to tell you what Jesus might have said if he was here this morning telling one of his parables. And it's called the parable of the Fitbit. Okay. How many of you have got a Fitbit? Oh, a few. Yeah, I haven't, um, as you can see. Um, and we know that these Fitbits, you, you wear them on your wrist, and they cost somewhere between 50 and three, 400 pounds. So, you know, quite a wide range. They're all singing, all dancing. The most expensive ones, um, they count steps. How many steps are they, do they advise you to do a day? 10,000, 10, that's right. And, and it counts it. It counts it on here. It counting the calories that you've been eating at the coffee shop. Okay. It's been counting your blood pressure and your heart rate. And it's actually counting or, or showing on this thing where you've been. You know, it's a sat-nav. So um, it knows when you went to the loo. It, it knows when you went to the coffee shop. It knows when you went to work or not. And it keeps a record of everything. You, did you know that? You know, it says how many steps you've done today. And you might have a yippee moment and you've done 15,000 steps today. Or there might be a 7,000 one the next day. Um, but the secret of this thing on your wrist is that this is the expensive one, by the way. It keeps a record. Um, it means that you can just turn it off. And when you come back to wearing it again in the morning, when you've come out the shower, it actually starts from yesterday. You know, it carries on. It, it keeps a super record. It's, it really is big brother. Um, and so Jesus would be saying, um, I heard you worshipping in the shower. Oh, did you? In his parable, he would be saying, I heard the prayers. Or maybe I didn't hear the prayers when you wanted to talk, um, to tell me about that friend of yours who's got cancer. 
you didn't tell me about that. Or maybe I haven't heard you worshipping since last Sunday. Oh, that's a funny record to keep, isn't it? Or I sent somebody along um, to that bench um, outside Costas or whatever deliberately so that you would sit next to them and talk to them, but you walk past them. Hmm. So Jesus is telling this parable here this morning about your expensive Fitbit. But you know, the cheaper one, the very cheapest Fitbit, it doesn't keep the same record. It, what happens is, Jesus says, when you press the reset button, it erases everything. There's no record. Now, isn't that amazing? Jesus is trying to tell us that he, by his blood, um, is not keeping any records. He's not saying that, you know, whatever you've done right or wrong, he's not keeping a record. Isn't that lovely? You can erase your yesterdays and live in today. And Jesus says, go for the simple, you know, the cheap Fitbit. Go for the cheap because it's so simple. You pray, you worship, you hear my voice. Not just Sundays, but every day. Be people of the kingdom. So I just want to encourage you with this parable, what Jesus might be saying to us today, for us to reset our buttons. And we might be carrying guilt, shame, or anything else, or disappointment, or anything because of what we've neglected to do, but might, we might be carrying encouragement because of what we have done. But if we're in an atmosphere of faith um, every day because we're in his presence, then miracles will happen. Yeah. So I would just indulge me this morning. I want you to put your Fitbit arm out, all of us, even if you haven't got one. It's your watch. Okay. I want you to put your finger on your Fitbit. Let's shut our eyes. Lord Jesus, this morning, we want to reset our Fitbits. We want to reset the last week. We want to reset to nothing because of your blood. This is what Easter's about. You just want us to be clean, useful people in your kingdom. Please, will you just erase everything that needs erasing and cause us to, this next week, tomorrow morning, set our Fitbit, even in the imaginary, and worship you, pray, to ask for those people. Lord, before we do all the stuff that gets in the way of our commitment to you first, Lord, will you erase this? Help us to not do all the other things that invade us, but only allow you to invade our space. Help us to be in an atmosphere 
of faith every day this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. You didn't need my thing. <laughs> Good morning. Great to be here this morning. Praise God. Okay, well, um, it's lovely to be here with you. It's a while since we were here. Lovely praise and worship this morning. You know, uh, we get about quite a bit these days to different churches, and um, uh, one of the things that I've started to, if you like, measure churches by isn't how good uh, the, the decor is, how uh, modern it all is, you know, what PA are they using, what pyrotechnics or whatever else you call the <laughs> stuff you stick on the wall. And uh, you know what it is? Is Jesus there? Is the presence of God in the place? And it's beautiful this morning, just lovely, praising God. Thank you, band. You did an amazing job just leading us. Uh, it's, it's great, isn't it, when you've got the right people doing that, that they are, uh, you can forget about whether it's, it's in tune or whatever. You can, you can just lift your voice. Even if you don't know the song, you very quickly learn them and you just praise, praising God. Because that's so important. Praise is so important in who we are and what, what we are. Now, I had a bit of a dilemma this morning as to know really what I was going to speak on. I got three things. I narrowed it down to two, and even this morning I was still unsure, which is a rare thing because I usually know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, but it ties in very much with what Christine said about Fitbits. Um, I always wonder why Chris would never let us have Fitbits. Now I know. Um, but you never know. There might be one coming. Uh, sometimes soon in our household. Um, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd love you to turn to the first uh, uh, letter of John, uh, John, 1 John. And uh, while you're just finding that, I just want to thank uh, Stevie and Mary and the leadership of asking us to share with you this morning. It is an important thing that when you get the privilege of being able to share the Word of God with people that you uh, understand what gift you have been given. You have all come this morning not just to worship and praise God, although I hope that is right up there with the priorities of why you're in church this morning. To worship, to praise, to lift the name of Jesus high because you create an atmosphere. You create Something, uh, we used to sing uh, that song, and as we worship, build your throne. Some of us are old enough to remember those songs, yeah, uh, because it's a truth. Because as we, there is something special about when the church comes together. It's important that we do church. I'm a big, big, big fan of church. I cannot get my head around Christians who say they love the Lord, but they don't want to be in church. They do that for two reasons. One, they don't really know the truth of who they are in Christ. Or two, they've been hurt and haven't dealt with the issues that need, they need dealing with. Because church is a great place to be. We meet with God and we meet with one another. And you are an amazing bunch this morning. You look fantastic. You're just amazing. 
and it's just wonderful. We, we belong to a church, Revive Church in Hull, and uh, it very much the culture of you dress down to come to church. You know what I mean by that? Uh, ripped jeans, you know, I have a pair of ripped jeans at home, and, uh, but mine got ripped because I've worn them so much. They tell me now you buy jeans that are ripped. You know, you pay extra for somebody to rip your jeans. Look, I can go and find a pair of jeans quite cheaply, and I'll cut them up for you, and then you can buy, give me a lot of money for them. But hey, this is the world in which we live, isn't it? It's brilliant. I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, don't know why I got into ripped jeans. But anyway, what's important is that we come together. Church is, is an amazing thing. And we, we are energized. We are, we're, we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. This morning, we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We've had the prophetic. We've had message in tongues. We've had uh, interpretation. We've had word of knowledge. Already this morning. And it's amazing. Because God is in the midst. And we need to understand how important it is that we come and meet with God. Because we do it every seven days, it can get a little bit like we lose track of it because uh, well, we, it's just normal to us. But we want that normality to invade our lives in such a way that it's always special. Because being in the presence of God is, is, is wonderful. You know, it's, I first came really into the presence of God just as a young teenager. And it was like, it was, I, I want to live here for the rest of my life. And it's, it's an amazing truth. That's just my introduction. Okay, it's five past twelve. I won't preach for long, I promise. Hour and a half is, you know, usual, so no, I jest. Okay, 1 John, chapter 1. I want to pick up on verse 5 and just read down to the end of that chapter. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, now I've lost my place. If we claim that, yeah, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. I want this morning to talk about the key to every promise of God for you. The key to every promise of God for you. Sometimes people come to me over the years and they've said, how do I find the will of God in my life? Do you know, I find the will of God is really simple, really simple, and it's this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, tell you how to find the will of God in your life. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Right? And I guarantee, not because of who I am, but because of what God's word says, and God's word can be trusted, that you will find the will of God if you will implement those three simple things in your life every day. 
along with prayer and petition, because Paul writes, doesn't he? He says, but with prayer and petition in Ephesians. Um, <clears throat> you bring these things. You say, God, you know what I need, but I choose to be joyful. Be joyful. We live in a miserable world. Did you know that? Since retiring from ministry, I spent a lot more time in the world. It's a miserable place. Why anybody wants to be in it, I have no idea. But anyway, it's much nicer in the church. Um, joy, joy. Your joy will be infectious. At work, wherever you may be, whatever you may be doing, your joy is infectious. Uh, pray continually. Smith Wigglesworth, someone once asked him and said, Mr. Wigglesworth, how often do you pray? How long do you pray for? And he said, oh, about five minutes at a time. Never more than five minutes. And he said, but then he says, but I never go for more than five minutes without I pray. So praying into everything. Just praying into everything. Make it your discussion in your day. You know, you don't have to stop and become religious. You just have to commune with God in your life. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So many Christians, it's like, did we baptize them in vinegar? Have they been (laughs) sucking on lemons for crying out loud? Yeah, you know what? Um, uh, things, things that come to us in life, you know, um, uh, tragedies in life are inevitable. But misery is always optional. Let's choose to, 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 to you know, I'm not, and I'm not making light of tragedy. Believe you me, we have faced many. If you are in the ministry, you will face tragedies, not just your own, many. You will sit and you will weep. I have spent hours weeping with people facing tragedy. I have sat with them and said, I have no concept of what you are going through right now. But you know what? I'm here with you and I will stand with you. And we will walk through this together. And our God will grace us and enable us to come through this and see his power at work in our lives. But you know, misery is an option that Christians should never take. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. But the key... The key to every promise of God is simple. When uh, Adam, God created Adam and Eve, they had perfect communion with God, didn't they? In Genesis chapter 2, 3, it's just an amazing thing. You know, we skip over those truths sometimes. We miss so much in them. We could spend an hour this morning just looking at Adam and Eve's relationship with God and what it was, it was amazing. But in Christ Jesus, because we have come to Christ, and as Christine shared with Fitbit uh, illustration, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So your past is dealt with, a relationship with God is given, and we have the relationship with God given to us that Adam had in the first, through Christ. The Scriptures declare it, the Word of God gives us it, it is a truth. And so we can see from Scripture that, that, that God just loves human beings, that he wants to walk through life with us today, tomorrow, in the things that we do. We're created in his own image. 
And he wants us to live in that image like Christ. We can see that God went to the ultimate extreme to redeem his creation in Christ on the cross. I sometimes think we lose sight of the wonder of the cross, the power of, the, of resurrection. Uh, when people, uh, eminent teachers, begin to deny the power of the cross, my heart grieves for them because they have not seen the truth of God's love for us. And his understanding of, what, of how powerfully destructive sin is and the length to which he would go to set us free from the power of sin and death through Jesus Christ. Everything for us to have the relationship with God has been done. It's not about pleasing God to attain his approval. We do not do things to please God to obtain his approval. Malcolm Duncan said this, We do not behave in a godly way to gain God's approval. We behave in a godly way because we have received God's forgiveness, favor, and approval. Have you got that? We do not behave in a godly way to gain his approval. We behave in a godly way because we have received God's forgiveness, favor, and approval. It sets you free. So we can live for Jesus. I don't do it to please him. I do it because he's pleased with me. Because he loves me so much. Isn't it wonderful? You know, Josh makes his bed every morning. He does it because he loves his mom. Not because he wants his mom's approval. Do you not believe that Josh makes his bed every morning? <laughs> you get my example that I'm trying to say. <laughs> Never mind, Josh. <laughs> He's looking at me as if to say, yeah, carry on, Jamie. You get my drift. So let's live for Jesus because we've already attained his approval through Jesus Christ. So, what is this key that unlocks every promise of God? And it's simply this. And it's a word that's a thing that you all know. And the problem with this little key is that we put it just to one side because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And that isn't true, and it's called repentance. And so, so many times we make repentance out to be the heavy thing. And you know, it isn't. It can be. We need to deal with issues. I'm not making light of repentance, but I'm bringing it, I want to bring it into the place where we really need to see what repentance is. Of course, we know that it's the Greek word metinoio, and it means to think differently. To think differently. That's what repentance means. That's what the word means. And you know, my friends, it's such a powerful thing. And many, many of the references to repentance are found in the letters of, of the Apostle Paul and the others, and John here. Um, and they're written to the church, right? They're not written to the, to the world. So over and over again, that word repentance crops up and he's relating it to the church. He's not relating it 
to the world. Of course, the world needs to repent, um, uh, 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 and we'll look at uh, one or two scriptures, or we'll quote one or two scriptures. But you know, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, uh, we find that very, very famous text. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I used to have uh, a big picture. It was like, I don't know, a, a three, I don't know, massive, great big picture of Holman Hunt's picture of, uh, the, uh, of the Christ knocking on the door. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's quite an impact thing. And I used to have it on the wall, but it really freaked my little brother out who <laughs> shared the room with me, so my mum made me shift it. But uh, amazing thing, you know, the Christ knocks on the door. We always equate it to uh, evangelism for people to come to Christ. And that's a great thing to do. But how many of us know it was actually written to the church? It's in uh, Revelation uh, there in chapter 3, and he's writing to Laodicea. And he's saying, look, you've lost the plot, church. You've lost the plot. And you need to come back. And, and, and he says, you see, what he says is, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, uh, uh, he's knocking. That's not a voice, is it? You know, I come... And uh, to, we got to Stevie Mary's yesterday afternoon, went to the door and went, not on the door or rang the bell. I didn't open the door and go, Oi, anybody in there? <laughs> right? There was no voice. But he says, Who hears my voice? What is the voice saying? What is Jesus saying to the church in Laodicea? Tells you in verse 19, Repent. And do again the things that you did at one, one time. So repentance then is something uh, that, that, that Jesus comes to his church and he says, come on, we need to put right some of these things. Jesus is at the door of our lives as God's people and he wants us to hear his voice. The key that opens the promises of God is that of repentance, is that of changing the way I think. If I want the promises that are written in this book, I need to change the way I think. How am I changing the way I think? Then I am changing the way I think to think like God every single time. You see, repentance is a powerful thing. And we find that the kingdom of God is introduced into the world in repentance, uh, John the Baptist, uh, in, in Mark, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says that he came out of the desert and he was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, in his first starting of his ministry, became and he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when they said, what must we do to be saved? Repent and believe the word of God. And so we find that repentance is a, a powerful, powerful thing. So that, as we've already said, repentance is thinking differently. Now, as we look at people in the act of repentance, or what does the Word of God say about how people are responding? Zacchaeus 
we know Zacchaeus. You know, you love that lovely little story of, of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. And he's, he, this guy is already in a repentant attitude because he wants to see Jesus. He, he's in his tree and he's looking down and he's looking to see the Son of God come. And Jesus comes to his tree and looks up at him and he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to have, I'm going I'm to call on your house today. Zacchaeus comes down and comes in. Everybody else moans and complains. I tell you, when you respond to the Holy Spirit and want to serve God, there will always be those who will moan and complain and think you've got it wrong. And sometimes, sadly, they're inside the church. Um, but notice Jesus' um, Jesus response. Zacchaeus says, Today I give half of what I own to the poor, And then he says, and I will give back everybody that I have robbed. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. You see, he's ready. The second uh, person that I see is the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. She is challenged to repent. Notice what Jesus says. Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. He didn't challenge Zacchaeus to sin no more. He challenged the woman. And then we have uh, Peter. And I just love Peter because in Luke chapter 5, we have Peter in the act of repentance. He's he, 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 the first time, really, he's encountered Jesus. Uh, Jesus tells him, you know, to let down the nets. You know the, the, the situation. And we find Peter is absolutely overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. And in verse 8, he, he, he falls at, at Jesus' knees. Um, he becomes aware of his sin that he needs to respond to. In verse 8, he says, I am a sinful man. And, and then in verses 10 through 11, he receives God's peace uh, when Jesus responds to him. The effect of repentance is always reconciliation. This is one of the reasons why it's not just for those that don't know Christ. It is for those of us that do. It is all about reconciliation. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, God calls us to a divine exchange. The word, uh, re, 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 the effect of repentance is reconciliation. The word reconciliation means to restore to its original purpose. It means to exchange from one thing to another. And you know, in 1 John chapter 2, um, verse 2, we, we have this wonderful statement where he says this. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. So Jesus has atoned. He has expiated. Uh, I love the, uh, the King James Version uh, that, uh, that, that has that beautiful word, um, propitiation. He has come along and he's exchanged his precious blood, has washed away our sins. And lastly, I want to finish with this, the experience of repentance. The experience of repentance. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, we've just read it. 
the first thing that we must do is that we confess our sins. You know, in the scriptures, there are two words for sin. And one word means to be offense. It's an offensive thing. You find it over and over again through the scriptures. But you will also find in the New Testament uh, the, the, the word that we, we use just one word for two words that the Greek has. And the other one is to miss the mark, which is great. It's lovely. You know, I, I, I love that. You know, and, and I think in a sense, this is the word that Christians, where we are, we just miss the mark. Any, anybody here never missed the mark in your Christian experience? You know, you've, that's where you need to be, but boy, you end up over there. You've aimed for it, but you didn't quite hit it. You know what it means? Well, you know, we, let's learn from that mistake because we're going to hit the target next time. You all know that that word comes from, it's an ancient word that used to do with, with archery practice. And the arrow has sinned. It has not hit its target. It is fallen off to one side. The other word, offense, means wickedness. And, you know, you will find that in the, in the scriptures. But here, uh, how, do, how, do we, how do we deal with those things? How do we come to that thing that unlocks God's promises for us in our lives? That we need to repent and uh, do again the things that God has called us to. First of all, we need to confess, uh, verses 6 through to 8. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Now, I'm just going to help us here a moment because we, we build a wall against this. So many I have done it oh, so many times in my life. It took me a long while to come to the understanding of what I'm sharing with you this morning. But I'll give you a good example. Something that happened many, many years ago. I could give you an ample. Example of something that happened last week, but I'll give you an example of something that happened many, many years ago. Chris and I were still living in Kings Lynn at the time, uh, pastoring the church there. I was the great man of God, uh, you know, preacher, whoo, growing church. It was really doing well. We'd outgrown buildings and all sorts, and it was like the church. It was the church to belong to in Kings Lynn. It was amazing. It's, it's still quite a good church. Well, it's still a very good church. Um, it was much bigger than when we were there. But, yeah, move on, Jamie. Um, I was sitting in my office one day, and we'd, I'd done a whole load of teaching on the Lord's Prayer, you know, how that we can break the Lord's Prayer down, and we can use it, you know, our Father who is in heaven. God is in heaven. Lord, I just want to thank you for that this morning. You understand. You break it down. And it comes to that place where it says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, is there anybody that I need to forgive? Have you ever been in that place where you know you're right, so you're very happy to say, am I wrong? Ever been there? No, I'm the only person that ever done that. All right. So I'm telling God that I know I'm right, but I'm just happened to say I might be wrong, but I know I'm not. All right. You get me. It's a man thing. Um, women are never wrong. And... Um, and, and so I'm saying, and all of a sudden, my sister-in-law comes to my mind, Chris's sister. And it was like, I could see her. And it was like, no. You know? No. 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 No, Lord. God bless her. She never really liked me. I'm sure we get, I'm fine now. 
And it was like, no. And it's like, it was just like, all of a sudden, that picture just disappeared. It was like the Holy Spirit was saying, okay. Okay. Two weeks later. Man of God, forgotten all about that. There again is the picture of my sister-in-law. And the Holy Spirit says, now you will deal with it now. You know, you don't argue with God for long. I think it was... um, who was it? Who was it? Said uh, one of the were famous preacher. He said, he said God spoke to him one day, and he said, uh, God said to him, "You and I don't agree, and I'm never wrong." <laughs> Have you ever been there? You know. So uh, and uh, so I said, so I just yeah, you know when God is speaking. So I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, uh, I, I I forgive for all of the stuff that's gone on that really caused me in particular, and both of us as well, a lot of hassle over the years. Lord, I repent of that. I repent of that right now. I'm so sorry. I want to deal with that. So I just sensed the presence of God, and I got up. And when, a, a day, the next day, even, I came home for lunch, and Chris said to me, oh, she said, uh, Susan has been on the phone, and uh, she uh, says, could they come and stay? And I said, uh, yeah, that will be great. And she looked at me as if to say, why are you lying to me? (laughs) So she said, really? I said, yeah, yeah, it will be great. Let's do it. Let's do it. It'll be great. Couldn't long story short, they came for for the weekend, had a fantastic weekend. About a week later... Uh, she rang Chris and she said, I just want to thank you for the weekend. That weekend was the turning point in our marriage because we were at the end of our marriage and we were going to split up. But that day changed. You see, friends, this is one of the main reasons why I believe that Christians, we need to come to that point where we are prepared to repent whatever's going on in our life. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin. If we claim we have no sin, we walk in darkness and we do not know the truth. And so I want to just leave us with this this morning. That what is the next step for us? What is there in my life that needs a divine exchange? Our daughter, Rebecca, belongs to a thing called parliamentary prayer. And they go into the Houses of Parliament in London about once every six weeks, and they hold a prayer meeting in one of the side rooms, and they get some of the MPs in. Do you know, I was a flabbergasted. There's actually some Christians that are MPs. Can you believe that? (laughs) You know, it's like, whoa. Anyway... Uh, they, they do this. Uh, but anyway, they had a guy called uh, David Hathaway. Come across David Hathaway? Yeah, right. So they had him at, 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 at an event. And so they had got all the leaders, Christian leaders from across London in that thing. And it's to do with this parliamentary prayer thing. And uh, so Beck says we went there and she said there was about 600 people, a lot of people there. And uh, the first thing David Hathaway got up and he says, right, I want all the leaders down the front. So all the leaders came down the front. And she said, he then said, right, we're all, all leaders. You're all going to repent. Do you know, if you want to humiliate a leader, just tell him he needs to repent or her. So everything inside of me goes, oh, 
How do you know my sins? You don't know me. Why should I repent? What do you think? I, I'm a leader. Come on. I lead the church. The church might need to repent, but I... But you know, it got all the church down the front and, 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 and sort of led them in, in prayer of repentance, of whatever was going on, whatever. You see, we always see repentance as only to do with really major issues. Uh, it's like my issue with my precious sister-in-law. It's not a major issue, but it was a divine issue that needed dealing with in my life. And, and she said, and then, and then he said, right, the whole body, let's all stand. We are all going to repent before God. She said, we then went into a time of worship. She said, it was the most amazing worship I've ever been in. And Rebecca has been in Pentecostal worship, charismatic churches since the, before she was born. And, and she says, it was phenomenal. And I believe that when we, when we come and we go, Lord, you know, you don't have to fight, try and find things. Just be open to the Holy Spirit. And when he shows us things, we deal with them because it is a changing of our mind. God, I want to think like you. I want to see my life like you see it. I want to see the issues in my life as you see them. And what needs changing, I want to change. And I need you, Holy Spirit, to help me to change those things. So what, need, what needs a divine exchange? You got fear in your life this morning? Are you frightened of things? Do you get frightened over issues? Are you frightened of waking up in the middle of the night? Are you frightened of death even though you're a Christian? Are you fearful of what might happen tomorrow? Does fear walk with you regularly? Then Jesus wants to set you free, but it comes through saying, God, I acknowledge that I'm fearful. Show me the issues in my life that cause that fear. And when you show me, I'll change the way I think so I see them like you see them. Because one of the things, take death for instance. No Christian should ever be frightened of death. Yeah, I mean, oh, you think, oh well, you know, is it painful, whatever, all the rest, you know, let it be quick, or oh, whatever. But, but some people are actually frightened of, 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 of the future. But we have a hope. And we need to repent. We need to change how we think. God, I want to think like you about how, uh, what, what will happen in, in death and, and uh, you know, and the glorious, wonderful, amazing thing. You know, that, that, that wonderful thing where you just walk from one thing into another. We used to sing a, a, a hymn, by and by when I look on his face, I wish I'd given him more. Anybody here ever heard that song? No, oh, I can see those hands, wonderful. Thank you that there's been, some of you have been here for about 100 years. Um, we used to sing that song, and I, I remember as, as, as just as a young, young lad, just newly saved, and I remember hearing it sung and going, Jesus, I want to live for you so that I never feel that I'd wish I'd given you more. You know? And it doesn't matter what stage you're in your life. Is it, you know, you're just starting out. Have you only been a Christian a little while? I've got a woman in our church. She's 82. She's just come to Christ about just over a year ago. Been mentoring her uh, just recently. And all the time is, but I've missed so much. But Jesus, 
It enabled us to be able to cover over all that. What the years that the the sin has eaten up in her life, all the divorce and stuff, she is a new creature in Christ. Fear. Fear. You know, do we do we fear things? Do we do we do unbelief? Unbelief, it eats into the Christian soul. There are many, many Christians who struggle with unbelief more than anything else. We sing the words, we speak the words. I believe that God can heal today, but I haven't seen it. So in my mind, I'm saying, I don't know whether I believe that. And we need to ditch that because we need to believe what God's word said, says over above our own experience because then our experience becomes what God's word says. I don't understand the whole thing, but I do know that he does. Um, evil intent. There's not so much, you know, sometimes. The, the areas of our lives that we just need to be open and say, okay, God, okay, God. Come on, stand with me. I'm done. Let's stand together. I'm going to hand over to Stevie in a minute. But I just want to, if I've done nothing else this morning, I trust that I've just got us to that place where we go, okay, I want to, I want to see my life as God sees it. I want to deal with the things that I know are in there. You see, sometimes we need that divine inspiration, don't we? I thought I'd got a reasonable relationship with my sister-in-law. God said, you haven't. So get it sorted now. Fed up with you. You know? Other things in your life that God is fed up with. Come on, you know? We just, get, we, we just take ourselves too serious sometimes. And we just need to take God a bit more serious. A bit of fear of God in our lives is a good thing. So maybe the things. Let's just close our eyes. Just open your hands out to God. Oh, John writes, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and we will have fellowship with one another. Holy Spirit, this morning, I just give to you my rambling words, but you know your, your word. You know the power of your word. That you want to empower us to become all the promises that you have given in your word will become part of our life. Help us, Lord, to find the areas of our life where you think different to us. Show us and enable us to choose to change the way we think. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. If there are issues that God has brought to you this morning or over a period of time, you know you've got amazing pastor and leadership here. And just come and share those things. Let God speak into your life. I just want to finish with this. I just want to thank Stevie and Mary. They do such an amazing job here, don't they? And you love your pastor and their leadership team. Support them. Pray for them every single day. I want to tell you it is the most difficult job being a senior leader in a church of any job that you will find. 
it's the grace, only the grace of God can enable you to do it. But I tell you what, it's amazing when you know your church is praying for you, backing you. And you know the best things that you can say to your pastors when they say to you, we think we should do so-and-so, is yes. <laughs> the word of God says, for the promises of God are yes and amen. Okay. Yes and yes. yes. And over many, many years of ministry, I just want to tell you now that every time I've said yes, it's been life transforming. Might not always liked it, but that's what God does. How many of you would like the day come when you come to that door and you're going, where can I sit? Would you like that? Yeah. Would you like that? When all of these seats, not just the empty seats, but the seats you're sitting in are already filled by people who want to know about Jesus and they've got here an hour before the service. And you're coming along going, well, where are we going to sit? We just put you through there. <laughs> but that's not fair. Well, it is. Do you get my drift? And it comes by just living a life of repentance, saying, yes, God, I believe that you've called my leaders, our leaders here just encourage them, bless them, tell them they're doing a good job, and just keep going in Jesus' name. Over to you, Stevie. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jimmy.